Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. So I want to be talking today from this week, from this week four of this series about he made room for me. Someone say that out loud. He made room for me. Say it again. He made room for me. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this word. Be glorified. Shake these people loose by your power. In Jesus name, we thank you. Amen. You may be seated in his wonderful presence. He, he set me free. He made room for me. Uh, we are in our communion Sundays, and I'm going to tell you what to do with that a little bit later. For those of you who do have communion, if you don't have communion, just raise your hand and make someone will make sure that you do have it. Uh, live streaming, thank you for uh, tuning in again, and I want you to know that he's making room for you as well. And those of you who uh, grew up um, as I did, uh, you grew up where your parents would sometimes um, voluntarily invite someone into an already packed car. Um, and the car would be packed and your parents would say sometimes scoot over. If you were raised in a house like mine, sometimes scoot over didn't necessarily mean scoot over. Sometimes it meant someone would sit on your lap uh, while y'all pretended as if you all were safe in that car and prayed that no police would spot you. Those of you who weren't raised like that, praise the Lord. Uh, others of us were raised where someone was invited over to stay for what seemed like a uh, certain length of time, uh, was supposed to be a week, but wound up being longer, and you didn't keep your bed. You had to scoot out of your bed so that some guests could use your bed while you slept on the floor. Uh, maybe you weren't raised like that, but some of us were raised where we had to always make room, or maybe, like myself, I was raised in a pastor's house and a lot of times we my mom or my parents had already um, made whatever they had made as far as dinner or whatever was concerned then all of a sudden uh, they would already say what our portions were and what we could and could not have um, and we could only have one of this or two of this or whatever then all of a sudden someone would ring the doorbell and then they would be invited in to an already scarce meal and uh, my parents would say, oh, that's more than enough. And I'd be like, but you just said. And we would have to make room for other people. Is there anybody who was raised like that where you have stories like that where, and now I don't know if you've ever even been in a situation where you didn't have a lot and you were in lack, uh, but there was someone around you who needed something. And instead of you keeping what you had, you made room for someone else to have something. And here it is. This is the text of which we are in and how we approach this particular scripture um, in Ephesians, the second chapter, which uh, that was a brief recap cap of what we talked about last week and here it is it seems as if there was no room for us and we've been talking about the Gentiles and and talking about how we've been engrafted in and brought in for a few weeks now I didn't intend to do that but it seems like God has a way of locking you into where he wants to speak on and uh, we it seems as if we had no room it seems like it was already packed there was already a done deal but here we find that Jesus made room in our already packed room. 
Many of us, um, I was reading a devotional the other day, Keith, um, one of our uh, members here, our family members, one of our brothers, uh, he sent out a devotional the other day, and it's a great devotional, and uh, one of the days I was reading, and it was talking about how um, we oftentimes sing of the love that we have for Christ. And we always talk about, oh, how we love him and how great he is to us and how much we love him. But it's great to sing of his love, our love for him, but it's even greater when we start to reflect on his love for us and how much he values us and how much and what he thinks about you. My love is limited. His love is unconditional. And I feel that in this series of Belong, if we would take more time to think of who you are in Christ versus who you're trying to be in Christ. And we would do more focusing on what he already says we are and who we already are in Christ. It might raise your view of yourself and raise your view of your life. And here we find this scripture and we look at this in all of Ephesians, a lot of Ephesians. And this particular chapter is really talking about who he feels and what he feels about us. I want you to just practice right now and just look around the room or beside someone right now and say, he really loves me. Just tell somebody now, he, he really loves me. I know that he loves the whole world, but it's good for you to point to yourself sometimes and say, he really loves me. The love of God is really on my life, and I really want to thank the Lord for his love. So we pick up here from last week, and we go back in verse 8, and he says here, and this is why I want to talk about how he made room for us. And I want to talk about three areas. One, the presence of his spirit. I want to talk about the purpose of his plan, and I want to talk about the power of the blood. Those are the three areas. Those are my three points. So if you need three points, those are it. If I don't get to them, that's what they are. The presence of, the presence of his spirit, and the purpose of his plan and I want to talk about the power of the blood here in verse 8 we look at this and we find verse 8 says for by grace you have been saved through faith someone say by grace I want to teach you this I, I want you to have this if I raise up I do if I don't I just don't but I want to let you I want you to have something to hold on to by grace we have been saved through faith and it is not of your own doing through faith what that means is through the agent of faith I have been saved through the agent of faith grace it says by grace you have been saved grace is God's part faith is my part say that one more time Grace is God's part, but faith is my part. Turn me down a little bit in the monitors, please. Grace is my part, but faith is our part. Let's say it together. Grace is God's part. Faith is my part. What that means is I have to believe in what he already did. He already did it and he's not going to do it again. Faith is my part. Grace is the part that he did. He extended me grace, though I did not deserve it. He extended me. What does grace mean? And we know many of you know this. It is his unmerited, meaning his unleashed favor. Uh, if I would use it in another way, it's his scandalous love for me. Uh, many of you might not know what scandal is, but live long enough, you'll find out what it is. Scandalous love means that he broke the rules for me. He did not stay in the lines for me. 
I was not the I was I was measured according to society least likely, but he made me likely because of his love. Grace saved me. His grace is his part, but faith is my part. And the interesting thing about faith, faith is not a work. You might be taking a lot of notes today. Faith is not a work. Faith does not merit salvation. You cannot walk around saying, I got faith, that's why I have what I have. No. Grace is God's part. Faith is my response to what God did. Faith is not what did it. Grace is what did it. It's not my faith that did it. It's his grace that did it. I want to drive that in. It's not my faith. You didn't get the house because of your faith. You didn't get the job or any opportunity that you have because of your faith. Don't just walk around saying, my faith, you need more faith. You can have more faith and not have grace. I believe for a lot of things I don't have grace for. Some of you are believing that, six, uh, that you would get a six-pack in your abs right now, and that's not going to happen. You could believe for something but not have the grace to it. You need grace for the gym. You need grace for, for a diet plan or for some plan. You need grace for that. You can have faith to get in fit. You can have faith to get fit. But if you don't have the grace to, for the discipline, then all you're going to be is a believing bloated person. But you need grace for it. Someone said, I need grace for it. Faith is my response to his grace. I, and I know it might not be a lot to shout about, but that's something that you need to know. That faith is that when you walk off the car lot, stop posting the car. I'm going to play the organ. You need to stop posting the car, posting the house, and taking a picture in front of it. Take a picture of the cross. Put yourself in front of it and say it's because of that that I have this. Lord, I can't get nobody to shout up in here. That's why I have what I have. It's not because of my credit score. It's because of his grace. The manifestation is a response to the grace of Christ. What is manifesting in my life is only a response to what has already happened. Somebody say it's a response to it. Woo, I'm trying to teach this thing. Pre don't preach, teach Mario. Faith is not a work. God justifies the believer not on account of the belief. God doesn't justify you because you believe. You're not justified because, oh, I'm a believer. Congratulations. Wonderful. Walking around, I believe. Great. You are not justified by your belief. You are justified based on whom you believe. Who do you believe in? Not just that I believe. I'm justified by who I believe in. Someone say, I believe. I believe in Jesus. That's something we don't talk about anymore. We believe in things, but not him. We believe in rocks, 
And we believe in crystals. And we believe in ores. And we believe in energy. And we believe in showers and water. And all these little rituals and things we do. And you're going to keep doing the ritual and not get the relationship. And the relationship is going to be there. But your ritual is going to always change. Because every time somebody else writes another blog, you're going to change. And every time somebody else does another YouTube video, you're going to change. And every time somebody else comes out with another book, you're going to change. And just because celebrities do it doesn't mean it's Christ. You are depressed because you're following a crystal, but he don't want you to be crystal. He don't want you to be crystallized. He wants you to have Christ because he is the stone that the builders rejected. And he has become the chief cornerstone. You better preach, Mario, because these people don't want you to do it. He is the rock. He's not topaz and he's not sapphire. He is the rock. And he never changes. Somebody say Jesus is the rock. You sitting there doing a ritual with a rock. You better bow to the rock. Not the ritual with the rock. Bow to the rock. I wish y'all could see the way that you're looking at me. And I'm not even the least bit nervous. Because I see a spirit when I know what it is. He said upon this rock. Not the crystal. Crystals have to be repaired and glistened and cleaned. He's already clean. Hezekiah Walker said, won't he make you clean inside? Because he's already clean. Someone said, he's already clean. Didn't mean to stay there. I'm so sorry. It's not my own doing. Grace, I'm saved through faith. It's not my own doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one can boast. Now, let me explain that a little bit more to you. Thank you. You want me to me Listen, how do I believe in whom I've never heard? Because the spirit himself makes intercession for me. Though I don't know what to pray for myself. But the spirit is not my own understanding. But it is the Spirit's illumination in me. The Spirit makes manifest things that I would have never known. Things I would have never understood. Things I would have never comprehended had I not had His Spirit. I told y'all last week, some of us don't know some things because we have more flesh than we have Spirit. But if you had more Spirit, Spirit will teach you. Spirit will guide you. Spirit will lead you. But you need more Spirit and less flesh. It was only revealed to me by his spirit. Do we have a teaching church that want to be taught anymore? Or do we want to be entertained? His spirit teaches me. Scripture says you have many teachers. But the spirit himself teaches me. Is there anybody in this room who you can say it's not that I've been churched. But his spirit taught me. There are some things I would not have known because I didn't have a book for it. But I had his spirit for it. His spirit guided me. His spirit led me. The only reason I put down that drink is because of his spirit, not because of a 12-step program. His spirit revealed. That's what he was saying. He says, through faith, through his spirit. Not of my own doing. It's a gift of God. He doesn't take what he gives back. Trying to get through this, Lord. He doesn't take what he gives back. So for all of us who are judging people that we know things about. And we say, 
they shouldn't have what they have because of who we know them to be. If he gives a gift, he does not take the gift back. Just because the person or the recipient of it does not respect the gift. I know many great singers who lack character. But that doesn't mean they can't sing just because they are nasty. It is by grace that I have what I have. You cannot walk around saying, oh, they're nasty. They, all of us got something. I just don't know what your something is. It is by grace that I have. It is not of my own doing lest I should boast in that. Gone are the days for us to walk in the room prideful as if we did it. I didn't do it. I did nothing for it. It's by grace he gave me a gift. Someone say he gave me a gift. It says, not of works so that no one may boast. Why am I boasting? And what exactly am I boasting in? What am I boasting in? Like, what did I do? Like, exactly what is it that you did? I haven't drank in three days. Good. On your own? Have you not drank because the business has been closed? See, a lot of us say, we tell half testimony. Oh, I hadn't been around nothing. I hadn't done nothing because they haven't been around. It's not that you don't want it. It hasn't been available. You can't testify about the absence of something. You testify when the thing is present and you still choose not to do it. That is grace. That is his spirit. To say that that's what we used to say to things, Jason. The things I used to do, I don't do no more. The places I used to go, I don't go no more. Why? Because a change has happened in my life. Is there anybody in the room who can give God praise because he's changing me? He changed me. Not me. Not me. Because if you knew my history, if you knew who I've been surrounded with, if you knew any of that type of stuff, there's no reason why I should be where I am other than by his grace. There is no reason. I cannot explain it any other way other than it is a gift of God. I'm grateful for his gift. Can we give God praise for his gift? I'm trying to teach you to praise him for his gift. Thank you. Put in the comment section, his gift. Thank him for his gift. Where am I boasting? Romans, the third chapter, verse 27 says this. He says, then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? By the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. I can't walk around saying I work to get here. I didn't work to do this. I don't care what class you went to. I don't care who laid hands on you. I don't care what bishop you sat under. It is not by works that you have what you have. They were justified. The Jews were justified by their works and feast days and ceremonial things and all these different things. And there are some of us who you have forgotten that you used to be them. And now we're going about boasting about my works. I don't cuss no more. Good. But it's only because of grace. It's not because you downloaded a little app on your phone called Babel and learned a new language called English. It's because of his grace. Someone say it again. It's because of his grace. 
I hope y'all want to thank you. So thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank the Lord. Have mercy. This church is Episcopalian today. My Lord, today I praise you. Verse 10. I've been preaching for 20 years. I'm pleading, Lord, please know. I ain't stopping because of these ninjas. All right. Verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. So I'll talk to y'all about the presence of his spirit. Secondly, I want to talk to you about the purpose of his plan. Someone say he's got a plan for me. I am his workmanship. What does the workmanship mean? I am a thing in his making. I'm his workmanship. Meaning he, he, he made me something. He worked on me. Matter of fact, he's still working on me. I am heaven's project. <laughs> Don't get mad at me because sometimes I have a default. My default goes back to my old nature. But he's still working on me. Because I'm his workmanship. He crafted me. He sat on me. He breathed into me. Come on, Adam. He breathed Mephish. He, he breathed breath into clay. I am nothing but dirt. Got cologne on it, but dirt. Got clothes on it, but dirt. I sometimes mess up because I'm dirty. No matter how many showers I take, if I stop taking a shower, eventually you will smell the dirt that I am. Because he made me dirt to remind me that he breathed in me. That without his breath, I would be nothing but mud and a mess. But because of his breath, someone say he breathed in me. I am his workmanship. He's, I'm a work. I, I, I'm his craft. I'm, I'm his design. I, I, I remember when we grew up in class, we used to have show and tell days. Where we would come and we would show and tell what we had or show and tell something. That's what he does in heaven. Every time heaven says that's not worth it. He keeps bringing us up before the angels who have never sinned. And who have never done anything wrong. But he brings us up before them and says now these right here. These are my prized possessions. And they look at us and say, they, they mess up, they fall, and they keep sinning. Why do you prize them? Because I died for them. Because I love them. They are work in progress. Don't sleep on them yet. Because when they realize who they are, when they realize what's inside of them, when they realize what I have in their life, when they realize the plan that I have for their life, there nothing is going to be able to stop them. We are his workmanship. I'm not saved. Hold on. Don't miss this. I'm not saved by good works. Don't miss this. I'm not saved by good works. But I do good works. I'm not saved by good works. But I do good works. You can't go around saying. I do. I do this. Wonderful. I'm not saved by what I did. But because of what he did, I do what I do. My doing is a response to what he did. I don't tithe because he's going he's gonna to do something bad to me. 
I tithe because I would rather have a blessed 90 than a cursed 100%. It's quiet in the sanctified church, I tell you. I would rather give him my 10% and let him blow on my 90% than keep my 100% and go get a Louis Vuitton bag. I think, Matt, you need to come over and preach this message because I'm doing a horrible job today. I want you to know the Bible. Some of y'all know celebrities and you don't know the Bible. Just because the pastor is popular doesn't mean that's your Christ. Stop tweeting quotes and fall in love with the Bible again. The quote won't keep you, but his word will keep you. I want you to have word, not a tweet. Tweet is only a certain amount of characters. 66 books in this thing. Somebody said, I need his word. Woo, Jesus have mercy. Who did y'all wrong this week? Who did it? Where's your baby daddy at? He didn't give you child support. What's wrong with you? By grace, you have been saved. By grace, someone say, by grace. It's not of my works. I did nothing to earn it. I did nothing to keep it. There's nothing I can do. It's not by works. And he did this. It's the purpose of his plan. The works were prepared. Here's the part here. I just want to encourage you. The works were prepared before we got here. What that means is, he had a purpose for my life before I got here. For everybody who walks around saying, I don't know what my purpose is, the purpose was designed before you got here. If you don't know what your purpose is, you got to know the one who gave you the purpose. If you walk around life saying, I'm not sure why I'm here for, there's a reason why he had you here. Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Not my plans, but his plans for me. i got to know him if i got to know why I'm here. If you're walking around in life saying, I'm not sure why I'm here, he has a purpose that he prepared beforehand. Someone say, he has a purpose on my life. He has a purpose on my life. God already made my purpose, and he will provide the provision for my purpose. Everything that he's purposed me to do, he will provide the provision for it. If I had somebody that would grab hold of that word, you would run down New Circle Road right now. God will give you the provision for your purpose. Everybody say this out loud. God will give me what I need when I need it. God, don't y'all let the baby outform the grown adults. Don't ever get to the point that you believe you have more purpose, you have more bills than you have purpose. God will give you the provision for your purpose. If he's purposed you to do it, he will give you what you need when you need it. How do I know it? I've seen him do it. Come on, Malachi, again. He says, will I not open up the windows of heaven? Will I not pour out a blessing for you? Stop shouting about closed doors when he's going to open up windows. Lord have mercy. I want to start growth point all over again next week. Why in the world 
would you be sitting there crying about a closed door when he never said, I'll open the doors for you. He said, I'll open up windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't have room to receive it. Someone say, I won't have room. There's so much more God wants to do in your life and he's going to open up windows and not doors. He's prepared them for you. God, we, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. What are we walking into? What is the word walk? It's a Greek word, uh, preparatio, which means to regulate one's life. That means he's prepared a walk for my life. I used to, um, um, Milo, Deacon Milo, I used to um, use something called wag. It's a dog service that when I wanted to walk the dog, when I was working, I wasn't able to be around a lot. Um, we would pay for WAG to come and walk our dog. And it was an app. And they would use the app and they would show us the miles that Milo had walked and where he peed and all that stuff. Stuff I didn't care to know. But they would give us the path that he had been on. So when, he got, when I got home, I knew he was tired because he had been on the path. I had seen the app. God has already designed the walk for your life. If you're walking through things that seem like you can't overcome it, he's already designed the path and he's already designed, designed how you're going to get through it. That's why David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. He will give you a, he will give you a wag walker for your dog, for your walk. He'll give you somebody to walk with. He'll give you a partner. He'll give you his spirit. He'll give you his presence to walk with you. He won't let you walk by yourself. You are not alone. Someone say, you are not alone. Come here, Michael Jackson. You are not alone. You are not alone. You are not by yourself. I know it seems hard. And I know it seems difficult. And I know you're looking at your life like, this is so hard. You're not by yourself just because you feel like you're by yourself. He already has a plan. We are God's workmanship. We are not of our own, of our own salvation. This verse, 30, uh, verse 11 says this. He says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. He said, remember that one time you were separated from Christ. He's call, calling them or causing them to remember what they were before Christ. To say that I wasn't anything before Christ. To remember that I was uncircumcised, that word uncircumcision, or that, that, that would basically means that before them, for them, for the Jews, to be identified as one of God's chosen people, you had to be circumcised. Those of you who don't know what circumcision is, God bless you in your life. It means basically that there had to be a cutting away to be able to show that there was covenant relationship in that time. And there's nothing, it's one thing, Miles was circumcised when he was young, God bless him, he doesn't remember it, because he was young and he was a child. But it's another thing for you to be cut when you're older because when you're young you don't remember when you were cut but I don't know if there's anybody in the room who you've been cut when you were later in life and there are things that hurt you now and that's what happened here is that they were operating under those people who were not circumcised were the Gentiles they were not circumcised according to visual but God has circumcised their heart he had done a work in their heart that could not be seen outwardly. It could not be seen in the flesh, but it could be seen in the spirit. 
He says, these people, the Gentiles and the Jews, were not in relationship with each other based on an outward thing. Meaning the Gentiles or the Jews did not deal with each other based on, they didn't say, they were like, basically, you are not one of us because we don't see. We don't see you one of us. We don't see that you're worthy to be in our presence. But this work that God had done in them was not to be seen visually, but seen spiritually. I want you to stop trying to, 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 try to, to make sure that people see you've changed. Some change is not seen outwardly because it's happening inwardly. I don't have to be approved by you when I'm approved by heaven. Some change takes longer than other things. He's still changing me. Someone say it out loud. He's still changing me. He's still doing something in me. He says, in these people, he said, remember who you were. You were once separated. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. He said, you were strangers to the covenant of promise. You weren't even supposed to be, you weren't even supposed to be a recipient of this thing. You weren't even supposed to be a part of this. He said, well, you weren't supposed to be a part of this different thing. You were alienated. He says, you were just separate. You were isolated. You were strangers. Like everywhere you went, every room you walked into, people would look at you and say, strangers? You don't belong here. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a fellowship or a group or a circle. And when you get close to the circle, you feel like you just don't belong. Have you ever just been in a room and you just feel like you're the odd person in the room? Can we have a show of hands? Have you ever, matter of fact, have you ever been to a church where you felt like you just didn't belong? Where you walked in and you said, I felt like I didn't dress right. I feel like I'm not a part of the who's who. I feel like I'm not a part of the family. I feel like I'm not a part of the clique. And I feel like I'm, I'm a stranger and I'm alienated. That's who Jesus came for. The people who are not a part of the crew. The people who are not a part of the clique. The people who didn't have the attire but had the circumcision of their heart. Didn't have the look. Didn't have the vernacular. But had a call from him. Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. There are many people who got the call, but many people, there are only few people who responded to it. Another scripture says that the harvest is right, but the laborers are few. There are only a few people who are going to respond to the call. I want to ask, I want to ask anybody in the room. Is there anybody in the room who's responded to his call recently? Is there anybody in the room who's responded and said, I responded to his call, even though I felt isolated. Even though I felt alienated, even though I felt like a stranger, but he wanted me. Someone said out loud, he wanted me. Go on after that. He says, he says, I want you to remind you had no hope and you without God in the world. He said, verse 13, that's in there. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, someone say in Christ Jesus. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off. What does far off mean? Far off. All of us who are far off, I don't know if you got anybody in your life who you can look at and just tell them they fall off, far off, not even where they need to be. And I don't know if any of you have ever been in that state where you feel like I'm just not where I need to be. I'm just far off. I don't know if there's anybody in the room who's ever prayed and you feel like your prayers are going nowhere. I don't know if anybody's ever done devotional. You're like, what's the point of me doing devotional because I can't remember or retain what I'm reading. I don't know if any of you who come to church, you're like, I've heard sermon after sermon after sermon and nothing seems to work in my life. I feel a far off. Does anybody can be real honest right now and say you've been far off? Let me tell you, I've been a worship leader and felt far off while leading worship. Sometimes I preached and felt far off. 
my Lord, today. I have felt that you are just, have you ever been to a point that you just feel far off in a place that you can't seem to grab yourself, grab your purpose, grab your life, grab your thoughts, grab what you're thinking about? Have you ever gone to a grocery store and only remember what you went in there for? Have you ever called someone and then they pick up the phone and you'd be like, hey, I called you for something, but I don't remember what it is. Anybody been honest like that? Just far off. Have you ever gotten mad at your child and don't even remember what you're mad about? Amen. After present time, you'd be like, get out of my face. And the child would be like, what you mad? I don't know, but just leave. And you sit there like, what was I upset with them about? I haven't done that, but other of you have. Just fall. So in this scripture, he says, many of you, Christ Jesus, he said, many of you, he said, but now Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. It means that I had no hope. I had no relationship. But because of his messy business. Because of his blood. Messy. Me. He messed me up with his blood. I was a mess, but his blood made a bigger mess because I was sinful in nature, but his blood got on my mess and cleaned me up. How does blood make me clean? How does blood make me clean? Because according to scripture in the Old Testament, it says it required a blood sacrifice, an animal sacrifice in order for the sins to be forgiven, in order for the sins to be received. But Jesus came in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, and did once and for all what all the priests did. Priests kept doing it. Jesus did it one time. Someone say one time. Come on, who's that rapper said one time? One time, Jesus did it. One time he did it once and for all. He took care of my sins and it's the power of the blood. Someone say the power of the blood. What does the blood represent? The blood represents the seal of the covenant. What is the covenant? The covenant is it means he's near me. That when you see his blood, it means he's near me. When I use the blood, it's a reminder that he's near me. When I celebrate the blood, it's a reminder that his blood did it once and for all what I could not do on my own. Do not mistake the power of the blood. According to Exodus, it says that there was supposed to be a death angel that was supposed to come over the certain city. And it says that he told them, he says, make sure that you put the blood on the doorpost. And when you put the blood on the doorpost, when the enemy sees the blood... He will pass over it. So what was supposed to come to you does not come to you because of the blood. Someone say because of the blood. It is because of the blood and his grace that I am what I am. Uh, Revelation, Revelation says in the scripture, go over to Revelation. It says we overcome him. Who is him? The enemy. We overcome him by the blood of the what? Say it again. By the blood of what? We overcome him, but we, are con we, we have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of whose? Whose testimony? Whose? Whose? Why haven't you said anything? There are some of you right now, prophetically, telling you this, not prophetically, I'm telling you word of discernment. There are some of you who are so depressed sitting here right now and you're depressed because of you. 
I'm telling you, don't, don't think I'm just some skinny preacher who don't know spirits. Some of you are sitting in depression right now because you won't open up your mouth. You don't think yourself free, speak yourself free. Stop sitting here thinking and getting in a meditative yoga state. It's not going to change you. His word changes you. Thank God for all that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Don't y'all ever say, oh, he said, no, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm saying, but the word says, he did the work. His blood did it. And it's not going to do it again. Once and for all, he did it. But my response to the blood is opening up my mouth. My response to the blood is opening up my mouth and doing what? Testifying. What am I testifying about? Because his blood did what I couldn't do. He did a work that I could have not have done on my own. Testify of his goodness. So I want to do a practice right now. I want to do a practice. I'm going to do a practice because some of y'all got to break this thing off of you. I mean, let me tell you something. Sorry, live streaming. Let me tell y'all something. When I tell you something spiritually is off with some of y'all, and I know some of you like, I don't like it when you talk to me like that. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the spirit that is trying to control you. If you are offended, the spirit within you is offended. It is not you. And those of you who are, those of you who are live streaming, you're not used to a prophetic, uh, apostolic, pastor, sorry, log off, go to the Baptist church. But let me tell you something here. There's something that is trying to control you. And you got to use the blood of Jesus Christ and open up your mouth and say, I'm not going to let this enemy have me. Come on, musicians. I'm not going to let this enemy have me. He can't have my children, can't have my mind, cannot have my family, cannot have my marriage. It cannot have my mind. It cannot have my work environment. It cannot have my sanity. It cannot have my mouth. I've got to open up my mouth. No apology to the Baptist church. I was raised. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about some of y'all need to tap back in again. And I want to ask you. I'm not going to beg you. Because I feel it real strongly. I want you to know there is a power. There is a presence and a calling for deliverance on my life. I don't know a lot of things. But I do know how to get you delivered. Because I know his blood. Ain't me. I know his blood. I know how it works. I want everybody in this room. Who is sitting and battling all these heavy spirits in your life right now. I want you to get your happy self up. I want you to come down to this altar right now and break that thing off your life. Do not leave here the same way you came. Don't you go back home like that. Don't you stay like this. I mean, I want you to move. I mean, I want you to move. I want, thank you. I want you to move. I don't want you to stay stuck. I don't want you to stay stuck. Don't stay like that. Don't leave. He's already done the work. There's power in the blood. Somebody holler out, there's power in the blood. Somebody holler out, there's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. There's no way I could be what I am without his blood. This thing is sitting on me long enough. This thing has been there long enough. This thing has had a grip on me long enough. There's some of you who need to be here who you haven't moved and you haven't moved because of the spirit of pride. 
as a rebuke I'm strong today I refuse to I refuse I refuse to let a devil have you that see us y'all don't understand that's what I appreciate even the musicians come off the organ if you got come off the organ if you got come off the drums, if you got to come off the if you got to come behind the cameras I want you free I don't want you to have regular church I want you to have an experience with Christ I want you to have a experience of Christ I want something in my life and this is what I want you to do I want you to do everybody who's here close your eyes focus on him close your eyes focus on him those of you who got a language speak in that language speak another language I want that music flood the place just flood up give me everything you got on the organ I don't care give me everything you got I don't before I touch you I want him to touch you come on everybody at home everybody at home come on everybody at home just open your mouth come on come on open your mouth Come on, the blood, let, let the blood work. 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 Not another day. 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 Not another moment. Not another day. Not another moment. Live streaming. I'll see you same time next week. Not another day. Not another moment. Not another day. Not another day. Before we log off, I want to thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your partnership and your contributions that help us to reach people who so desperately need it. Now, it doesn't have to stop here. Make sure you're connected and that you're subscribed to every outlet. So if you need family prayer or anything, we can get what you need to grow to you. Have a great week. Know that we are praying for you. And as always, remember to keep growing. I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at MyGrowthPoint. Until next time, keep growing.